John chapter 14, verse 6, it says this. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you've ever underlined something in your Bible, please underline that scripture. If you don't write in your Bible, ask God to give you the boldness to write in your Bible. I need you to underline this scripture because I don't think we truly today live in this scripture. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Watch this. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's pray. Father, I need your help this morning. I need every ear to be opened, every heart to be widened, every spirit to be strengthened so that they can receive what you've asked me to deliver this morning. Father, I pray that by the time I'm done, this word doesn't just get heard. It challenges us to go deeper, further, and to go greater than we've ever gone before. Father, challenge us today. Don't let us just become hearers in the moment, but challenge us. And God, if we don't want to be challenged, break us. So that your word becomes everything it needs to be in our lives. We give you praise for now. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Over the last few weeks, I've been in a series called I Am, and I hope that message has been ministering to you. I have got three more parts starting today. You go, Pastor, that's a lot of a series. I know, but this is the problem. I have to do seven parts of this to get the church to understand who Jesus is, really. Because unfortunately, we don't really even know what it is. We're chasing emotion, rather chasing the wisdom of God, rather chasing the purpose of God, rather understanding who Jesus was and why he was sent. We just like the emotion and the feel good. Jesus, rescue me. Jesus, rescue me. Jesus, rescue me. Do you ever think that maybe Jesus is tired of rescuing you? Do you ever think that maybe he's had enough of you going back to your junk when he keeps saving you and then you jump back off the ship and he puts you back and you jump back off the ship and he puts you back and you jump back off? Do you think that maybe Jesus had a purpose so that you could live a greater life, not just a mediocre life? The problem in the church today is we're spending more time rescuing the saved than we are the lost. We're spending more time trying to convince believers back into the boat rather than getting the ones that are drowning outside of the boat. The first week we dealt with I am because you can't start this whole series until you deal with I am. Why do you have to deal with I am? Because that's who he is, the I am. He is everything that you will ever need. You don't need anything else. I know we chase everything else, but you don't need anything else. You might want other things, but he is all that you need. Week two, we dealt with he is the bread of life. We've been feeding on everything else but him. We feed on social media. We feed on people's opinions and their thoughts. We feed on people's emotions. But we do not feed on the bread of life. No wonder the church is starving today. Then we talked about he's the light of the world. He says, I am the light of the world. The problem is, is that no one wants to turn on lights because it exposes our problems rather than keep us in the dark so we can hide them from the rest of the world. Let me help you with something. In heaven, there is no Photoshop. You cannot become somebody you're not. God sees you for who you are, and he loves you, but he sent Jesus to illuminate who you are so you could become brighter in the world that you live in. It is not your light that shines. It is his light that shines through you. Stop dimming his light in you. He says, I'm the light of the world. And then last week or the week before that, week after that, we dealt with you. I am the door. He's the door. He's not the house. He's the door. He's the one that allows you access to the Father. 
but he is not the father. Oh, pastor, but you said there was a three or in one. Yes, they are, but they are three different things. They are three becoming one, but they have distinctive roles. Jesus says, I am the access point to your existence with God. Here's the problem in the church. No one wants to live in the father's house anymore. They just want to visit the door. Ding dong ditch. We go to church. Ding dong. Got to go. Why? Because we don't want to go home. When, and, you, and, and I even said this the week, the, the end of the message, that some of us in the church today believe that God gave up our bedroom in the house. When God has kept your bedroom waiting for you to come back home. Or maybe he's been setting up your room knowing that you were coming home. But Jesus is the doorway to the Father's house. And it is time that the church have a desire to live in the Father's house, not dwell in the front yard. That the church have a desire to dwell in his house, to sit at his table, to feed at his table, to listen to him, to let him bring correction into your life, to let him bring supernatural direction to your life so that you can walk in the fullness of who he is. But you got to go through the door first. This week, I need to deal with that one part of Scripture where he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In order for me to help break this down, I have to give you some background that leads up to this point. Jesus is in the upper room with the disciples. Jesus predicts his betrayal from Judas. He's also predicted Peter would deny him three times. And he looks at the disciples and says this in John chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. That's a big statement right there. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Look at Jesus. He is separating the two. Do you see this? He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, this is where I have to deal with this because so many times in the church today, we want to just preach Jesus. Yes, we have to preach Jesus, but you should have a desire to dwell with God. You should have a desire to become God's kids. You can't be Jesus' kids. That would be weird because the Bible calls him the elder brother. So you should have a desire to be God's kids. Jesus is sitting in the upper room with the disciples, and he is separating his position and his purpose from that of the fathers. Yet we all want to say, but no, they're just one. No, 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 no. They are three separate entities, yet one heart. One heartbeat. They all have the same desire. He says, in my father's house are many mansions. Now think about what he just said. In my father's house are many houses, which represents many families. In my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to what? Myself. Now watch. That where I am, there you may be also. In other words, I ascend to the right hand of the Father. I'm going to come back and get you so that where I'm going, you might come as well. And where I go, you know, and the way, you know. And then here comes good old Thomas. Got to love Thomas. Verse 5. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. And how can we know the way? Look at verse 5. I want you to hear this again because unfortunately, this is the church today. If we don't give you signs and markers, you'll never go. If we don't give you points and play usher and point you the right direction, you will not go. Because this is what we've become. Well, I I, I didn't know. I I didn't know. It's kind of like this. You know, back in the day when we didn't have cell phones, you actually had to remember people's phone numbers. Ask me what people's numbers are today. I don't know. Let me look it up. 
How do you get from point A to point B? I got to pull out my navigation system on my phone. Because I don't know. I got to have somebody tell me. And half the time, they lead you to a place you weren't even trying to get to. <laughs> Just ask my wife. She went somewhere one time. They took her to the woods. She's like, babe, I don't know where I'm at. <laughs> Just because you can seek something doesn't mean it's giving you the right answer. The truth be told is, is that our job is to tell you, as pastors, is to tell you that God is the way, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that God desires to have relationship with you. But it is you who should have the desire to build relationship with him, not me to build it for you. I cannot build your home. Only you can build it. Somebody said to me, he said, Pastor, I don't, I don't understand. I, I don't understand, but I thought you were the one that was going to lead me. No, no, no. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. In other words, Christ is the one that's going to lead us where? To the Father. Okay, so Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? Thomas is in the upper room with the Messiah. Come on, just Thomas. Thomas has seen everything. Thomas has seen the miracles. Thomas has seen the teachings. He's watched things happen. He knows who Jesus is. He has seen with his very eyes who Jesus is. He's seen, he's seen everything. And then he makes a statement, Lord, we don't know where you're going. You dummy. Now, this, is, this, is, this is the blindness of the church today. You can see the miracles. You can hear the teachings. And you can still question his power. You can still question his intentions. You can still question his plan and his purpose. People look at me and go, Pastor, you're a preacher. Why would your heart be acting weird? I don't know. I'm not God. I didn't write the book. I just get to walk out the story. You look at a thing like Patricia. You go, how can God take a woman who sat in a prayer meeting and declared that she was healed? And then she's now in the hospital in critical condition. I don't know. I don't write the story. But baby, let me tell you something. He's still God. Thomas is in there, Lord, we don't know where you're going. And how can we know the way? Just because you see a thing doesn't mean you know a thing. You've seen it all, but do you know it yet? Do you know what you've been seeing? Because understanding that if you know something, you've desired now to believe in something. Thomas's statement is more of a declaration of the current condition of the church and believers today. We know of him, but really do not know him. We hear the stories. Man, if I go to church and pastor gives the altar call, all of my problems will go away. I don't know about you, but it seemed like when I gave my heart to God, it seemed like the fire got a little hotter. Problems came a little more quicker. And you go, but how is that God? Because now the enemy's angry because here's the truth of it. The enemy wasn't fighting me as long as I was walking with him. But the moment I decided to walk away from him, he's like, no. He's not, look, let me have something. The enemy is not beating you up. The enemy is trying to grab a hold of you. And the problem is, is you're feeling the claws of Satan scratch you because he's trying to reach for you. You think he's beating you up. No, he's just trying to pull you back. And you go, you go, but pastor, no, the, the truth be told is, is that we, we're stuck in this thing where we, we know of him, but we do not really know him because we do not spend time with him. We do not give our life to him. It's like this morning we were driving down the road and the way I come to church, there's this garage door. And why in God's green earth they decided to do this, I still don't know, but they literally painted every South Park figure on their garage door. <laughs> and, it, and I've driven this way a hundred times and I'm going, I've never seen this before. And Judah goes, Judah's in the car, and he goes, Dad, is that, is that a good show? <laughs> and I'm honest with my kids. I said, there are parts of it that are funny. But I said, be honest with you, God's not pleased with it. He goes, why? 
I said, because they make fun of God. They blaspheme the Holy Spirit. So in other words, if God's not happy with it, then maybe I shouldn't be either. See, there's a difference. When you know of him, you'll accept what's contrary to God. When you know him, you'll reject what's contrary to God. See, when we start to become acceptable to sin, when we, and I heard a pastor say this, the church has got to get back to a place where we talk about sin again and not just blessings. Uh, but when, when sin becomes accessible, when sin becomes um, achievable, when sin becomes a part of your existence and we make stupid statements like God knows my heart, is the moment that we're digressing back to a reprobate mind and we become everything that God saved us from. And then we go, God, where have you gone? God says, I didn't go anywhere. You left. I didn't walk out. I'm still standing here knocking on the door of your heart asking, can I come back in for a third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth time? We know of him, but we really do not know him. Belief only comes when a desire to know is the driving force. Your belief, if your belief, if your faith is struggling, it's because you're not moving in the desire to know him. You're only moving in the desire to attend church Pay your penance, do your time, and hopefully you'll make it in. Let me help you with something. I'm not hoping I make it into heaven. I'm not going to live my life hoping I'm going to make it into heaven. I'm going to live my life understanding that when I leave this earth, I, from, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. I will not go to sleep. I didn't walk into surgery going, I'm going to die. I walked into surgery cracking jokes with all the nurses. They're like, you're okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I know where I'm going. But nobody, not everybody in the church has that understanding. That's why we have to make altar calls that say, well, if you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven or hell? And scare you into the kingdom rather than you fall in love with the Father and live in the kingdom. Belief only comes when a desire to know is the driving force. Not to know of, but to know who he really is. Do we really care where he is today? Or do we just assume that he will be wherever we want him to be because we carry the title of believer? Do we actually pursue him or do we expect him to chase us down in order to feed our own desire to be wanted? Can I ask you a question? Do you really pursue God? Or do you play visitation with him? I, this is the way God kind of gave it to me. I either live in his house or I'm sitting in a jail cell where he has to visit me through a glass window. And I've been in both. <laughs> I've dwelled in his house. I've grown up in the church. I, I love God with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength. But then I walked away from him and I ended up in jail where no one could save me, where no one could get me out. No one could pull me out. Yeah, you could bail me out, but that wasn't going to change a heart condition. That just changed a physical condition. And God had to come and visit me and ask me, do you want to live here where we'll be separated because you choose something different than me? Or will you choose to pursue me more than you pursue your life? Because to die is to gain. To give up my life means I win. But if I choose to gain my own life, then I choose to forfeit the life he has for me. Because I have to get rid of my fleshly desires to pursue his desires for me. In verse, in verse 3 and 4, it says this, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. There's a promise right there. Listen, even if I leave, I'm still coming back. Chill out. It doesn't matter what the news says. It doesn't matter what media says. It doesn't matter what politicians says. It doesn't matter what culture says. It doesn't matter what anything says. Jesus says, I'm coming back. Chill out. The world is in pandemonium because we have forgotten that Jesus is still coming. 
The world is in pandemonium because we are freaked out thinking that this is the end. No, baby, this is just the beginning. Pastor, don't say that. That means it's going to get worse. The worse it gets, the more closer we get to the return. Shut up. You should be excited. Bring it on. Why? Because we should be expecting of his return, not wondering if we'll make it if the trumpet sounds. Oh, God, don't blow him today. I'm not ready. For the Bible says to be ready in season and out of season. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there you may be also. In other words, he has no desire for you to be left behind. He has every desire for you to come home. But you got to choose whether or not you want to be a homebody or you want to keep running away. And where I go, you know, in the way, you know, underline, if you didn't underline that scripture, underline this part, underline the way, you know, because everyone in this place should know the way. In verse 5, it says, Thomas said to him, Lord, you, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, i got to debunk something real quick, and I know I'm stuck with some time elements, but i got to say this. This thing in the church right now, there are preachers out there, very prominent, and I'm saying it, and I'm not trying to bash pastors, but i got to speak truth to it. There is no other way to the Father except through Jesus. If you think anything contrary, you have not read your Bible. We've got pastors that are sitting on national television being asked, do you believe there's other ways to God? Oh, yeah, there's other ways. Who am I to tell you there's not another way? Are you stupid? I'll just say it how I think it. Are you completely ignorant? Did you completely lose your way? Obviously, because you're only feeding your way, not his way. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way to the Father except through who? Not through gifts, not through service, not through anointing, not through church attendance, not whether you punched in or punched out, not whether you liked us on Facebook, none of that. He says, I, Jesus, am the only way to the Father. Better stop trying to go around him because you're going to meet him one day. Whether you meet him in good standing or bad standing, you're going to see him. And it's either come on in or depart. You have God, and under that you have the Son, and under that you have the Holy Spirit. Pastor, how are they? Well, because God is God. He sent Jesus' his Son, and Jesus, when he left the earth, he said, I'm sending you the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit. The three are one, but distinctly different. You can't have one without all three, and you can't have three without one. Jesus is sitting here explaining this to the disciples, what is about to happen to him. And he says in verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let me give you the definition of the word the way. You ready? Or way. I put the way in there, but the word way is defined as this. A method, plan, or means for attaining a goal. A method, plan, or means for attaining a goal. A direction or vicinity. Passage or progress on a course. Let me just deal with the first part. Jesus says, I am the method, plan, or means for attaining your life. I am the method, the plan, and the means. There is nothing else that will do it for you except me. So if you want a relationship with God, baby, you better understand Jesus is the way. That didn't say Buddha, didn't say Muhammad, didn't say Allah. It said Jesus. I am the method, plan, or means for attaining a goal in your life, for attaining your life 
in eternity. Jesus is not declaring his importance, but his purpose. Let me give you a few other scriptures so you understand that there is a division between the two. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. I'm going to read through these, write them down. You can go back and read them later. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled to himself through who? Hello. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ. God was in Christ reconciling the world to who? To Jesus, through Jesus, to the Father, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14, it says this, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Trying to give it to you. First John chapter 5, verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come, and he has given us understanding so that we can know. So Jesus is now declaring again, he is not the true God. He is the access. Yeah. And when I start preaching this, people go, oh, I don't want to. And this is so contrary to the church today because everybody wants the brother love. They don't want the father's love because, and let's be honest, the culture that we live in today is a fatherless generation. There are less fathers in the church. Listen, honor and loyalty are out of the culture today because the fathers aren't teaching it anymore. I just got to say it. And I grew up in a fatherless home. Celebrate a man for 86 years who taught me loyalty and honor no matter what. There are people I can still, okay, it's like this. There's a pastor I worked for for, for eight years. I haven't seen this pe these people in 15 years. I see them one time, and literally within five minutes, it's like I never missed them because I've always honored and was loyal to them as pastors in my life. There's this, there's this understanding that we have to get to because we don't do this anymore. We just, we just exist. We do our lives, and we, it's all about me, and it's about what I want. 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 No, it's about what he wants through you. But understand that Jesus is the only way you're going to experience the life that God's called you to. If you're not willing to go to Jesus, I want to check whether you have access yet. Jesus is telling the disciples, you know the way because you know me. You know the way because you know me. Don't look any further. Stop looking so deep. Stop trying to make it so complex. I am your way. That is how much God loves you. He sent Jesus as your access point. He made Jesus the door. Just knock. Yeah. And in verse 6, he said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, I am the way. That's his purpose. I am the way. That's his purpose. His purpose has to lead to something greater. Your purpose has to lead to something greater. Your purpose is not to fulfill you. Your purpose is to fulfill something greater in the earth. Yeah. Okay, can I say this to you? If all you're ever doing is working to get money to buy bigger things, then you're laying up your treasures here. Come on, let's be honest. Everybody want a bigger house? But work with me. You're like, I don't want to say that. I don't want to say it. Don't lie. You look at that stupid TV. You watch what everybody else has. You get envious. Be honest in the church. God knows you. Tim and I, we used to be this way. We, we oh, man, be so awesome to have that and be that and that. Now we've gotten to the point where we really just don't care anymore. We're like trying to downsize. How do you downsize with a family of six? That's crazy. You know, kids are going to kill each other. But, but we've talked about it. We've like, why? Because there are things that we would rather be able to do than be so content with just things. 
just, just stuff. You want to prove whether or not you have a hoarding disease? Go look in your garage. Because that's where everything ends up when you're done and you want something new. That's where all my stuff ends up. It's in the garage. Why is it in the garage? I don't have to know where to put it. Okay. The, the truth be told is, is that we, we, Jesus is the purpose, is, is, is walking in his purpose. He says, I am the way, but it's got to lead to something greater. Would you please get out of the thought that when you come to church, it's to feed you, for you, in you, but rather you come here so that you can be strengthened in your purpose so that you can walk in a greater power and in a greater anointing and see greater things happen in your life. Stop feeding for you. Feed for your purpose so that greatness can manifest. He is the way. Now watch this. This is what will throw you way off. I have read this scripture and I have studied it out. The true translation of this scripture in the Greek and Hebrew says he is the way to the truth. And the life. It doesn't say the way, the truth, and the life. It says there's a word to in there. It says he is the way to the truth and the life. We have misread this for some. And the way they wrote it is he's the way, the truth, and life. He is because he's Jesus in God form. So he is all these things. But if you take his divine purpose, he is the way to the truth and the life. Ah. Here it goes. He's the way to truth. The true or actual state of a matter, actually or, I'm sorry, actuality or actual existence. He is the way to the truth, not you telling the truth. Hmm. Not to you living in the truth, but to you finally understanding that this is the truth and living according to every single word of it. If this is not the truth in your life, please stop claiming the God that you say you serve. Don't just don't do it. Don't do it. I just it bothers me so bad when we can declare God that we won't even take his heart to our word or his word to our heart. He is the truth. He says, I'm the way to get you back to the Father so that you can live in the truth. What is the truth? That God desires for you to be returned to your true or actual state of matter. To be returned to your actual created existence in him. A place of restoration, a place of healing, a place of deliverance, a place of no more pain and suffering, a place of reconciliation. That's the truth. That's the truth. That, I, I'm, I'm preaching better than you're amen right now. I'm sorry. Because I, you missed that right there. Because I, I'm dealing with a culture that literally is dying in every one of these right now. He says, I am the way to the truth, the truth that you were really created to live in. Do you know you were not created to be poor? Pastor, you're going to talk about money. Yes, I'm going to talk about money. You were not created to live poor. But the problem is, is you keep chasing money, which makes you poor. Because <laughs> let me tell you something, just because you have money doesn't mean you have peace. Just because you have money doesn't mean you have joy. You think you're going to have joy, but here's the problem. The moment you get the money you've been looking for, you got to go find something else to satisfy that itch in you to get more money. When Jesus says that I'm more than enough, I don't, you don't need that stuff with me. You just need me. What, look, look. Would you rather, watch this, would you rather have all the money or would you rather know the one who owns a cattle on a thousand hills? You might not get your mansion here, baby, but you'll get one one day. 
You might not get it while you're standing here, but you'll get it one day. But you just got to hang loose a little bit. Stop freaking out. Stop thinking you got to keep up with the Joneses and got to look like everybody else. Stop nip-tucking, sucking, and plucking to you to look like everybody else on TV. And just let God be okay with what he created in you. Well, if I don't weigh this certain amount, if I don't have this hair pulled here, if I don't do this, but no. Leave it alone. Can I just be honest with you? If you got to do all that, you are not accepting what God created. Shut up and just be okay with you. I don't like me. Then ask God to fix you, not fix you. Because let me tell you something. You can pull it and tuck it and pluck it all you want. It will droop again eventually. Can I get an amen from somebody in the room? And all the older generation was like, preach, pastor, preach. Somebody say, you, yeah, man, I'm okay with you, Pastor. You're not, you're not skinny and buff. Listen, I got a hot wife. That's all that matters. Amen. <laughs> Amen. See, Pastor Dylan agrees to it. But not about his wife, not my wife. Amen. <laughs> that was going to get real weird real quick. <laughs> there will be marital counseling for the Walters after church. Amen. <laughs> Why did you say that? No, I was kidding. He says, I'm the way. How many of you need restoration in your life? Amen. Jesus is the way. Quit trying to restore things that you can't fix. How many of you need healing? Ooh. Ooh. Did you know that every word that's contrary to the healing that he's already manifested prolongs the inevitable promises of God? See, when I heard God, I got the report that I was going to have to go to surgery for my heart, I was like, oh, Pastor, no, I'm believing you're going to be healed. I am healed. This is just how God chooses to do it. I'm cool. I'm good. But pastor, we, we're just believing that they're not going to have to. Shut up. I'm excited. I'm like trying to get. It's like, can we get there quicker? I'm, you're waiting too long. I'm ready now. He's my healing. You need to be delivered. He's your deliverance. You're, you're, you need a place of no more pain and suffering. Your heart might be broken. Yes, he can fix that too. He is your place of reconciliation. The Bible says that Jesus came with the ministry, the anointing, the power, the manifestation of reconciliation to bring you back in rather than to keep you out. If all of these things are existing in your existence, then you are on the outside of who Jesus is, who Jesus was and forever shall be. He never changes. It's we who change. It's not him. We stop accessing him to the Father. We just, we just complain about our existence. We post it on social media. We call our friends and families. Ask my mama how much I call and complain. I don't because she doesn't have the answer for me. What, what's, what's, what, look, look, watch this. Watch, watch, watch. Any of y'all ever called a family member and complained? Work with me. Wave your hand at me. Come on, wave it. With that, Pastor, that's me. I do that all the time. I, I call my family. Like, do you feel better when you're done? Oh, I feel great. Do you really? Because 20 minutes later, it comes right back at you, doesn't it? Bam! There it is again. i got to call somebody else. Just call Jesus. It'll go away. And we go like, really? That's all I have to do? It's what the Word has said since the creation of time. Yet we keep going other directions. He's not the way to my truth. There's other ways. I need friends on social media so they can all tell me how they need to live my life. I don't like people that much. To get that many opinions. Can, can I just say this real quick? Y'all been seeing these little polls we posted on Facebook? Some of y'all seen them? And, and it's funny because I posted a statement in there. I said, how long should worship be? 
20, 30 minutes. Look, you go to a concert, it's like 45 minutes to an hour. Church is not about it being a concert. I'm going to give you some real truth here for a second. I posted this, and, and some people in the church, hey, no time left, and I'm with you. High five. I agree with you. But then some people who don't even attend church right now have the audacity to tell me how long worship should be. And everything in my flesh wanted to be, how about you go to church, then you can put a time limit on it. But I didn't. I kept my peace. And so I posted something. I said, listen, this wasn't created to create controversy or to create a dialogue. I'm just trying to get a sense of where the church is. Because I'm going to say this to you, and this is really tough, because I'm the preacher, Pastor Ben and Pastor Katie, the worship leaders. Let me help you with something. You ready for this? If, we are de- if all we're desiring is more worship, then we do not want truth. And unfortunately, the culture of the church has become a place where we rock our demons to sleep rather than get the truth to eradicate and evict them out of our lives. The Bible says that we shall worship him in spirit and in truth. If you get worship, baby, you need the word too. You can't have one without the other. And if all you're seeking is the next worship song to feel good about yourself, then you do not want change. And Jesus came to change you. Okay. Sorry, that was my little, I told you there's a lot in me right now. I got to deal with some stuff. Jesus says, I'm the way to the truth. And then he says, I'm the way to the life. What life? Watch this. I don't really mess with you really bad. Not the life you're living right now. Watch, 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 watch. Because if you think the life you're living right now is everything God has for you, then you've now started to limit the God you serve. See, I've stopped limiting God by putting my boundaries on what my life looks like and just say, God, I'll live in your precepts and your principles and whatever you choose to do, I'll embrace. The existence that God intended you to live. Is it possible that you and I have forgotten how to live because we missed this little piece of scripture that Jesus is the way and not the source? That we have evicted the father for the son? That we've thrown away the horizontal relationship for the parallel one that God sent in order to bring us back home? No wonder they call us a fatherless generation. We don't even want the father anymore because we don't want a dad to tell us how to live our lives. So keep living your life in chaos. For God created us for structure. I don't know if you realize that, but he did. You are a person who is built to desire structure. The problem is, is that when we do not desire the Father, we go into chaos. Chaos creates sin. Sin creates disconnection. Disconnection creates eternity in hell. But we don't want to talk about that anymore because we just want to love Jesus. You know, it's funny. When I start preaching against sin, people in the church say, you know, but Jesus is love. Jesus is love. And you're not being very loving right now. Did you ever read your Bible, what Jesus said to some believers? Like, he went into the synagogue and flipped tables and called them a brood of vipers. Like, that's cussing in Bible terms, just so y'all know. Like, he wasn't nice about it. He threw down. He said what needed to be said, but today we don't. And he did all of this because he was trying to get them to the kingdom. He was trying to help them understand what his purpose was in the earth, to die for the sins of man. And so that's why he came. And so he's trying to get their attention. But yet they were too ignorant to see that the life that God was calling to them was greater than where they were. But nobody wants to talk about this anymore because everybody wants the love of Jesus, not the Godhead, not the Father, not the one who says, hey, that's enough. It's enough. It's like, it's like when I get into my son, I, I, I get onto my son, and, or I get onto any of my kids, and and I think Asher, Asher hit that season for a little bit where if you got onto me, just start crying. <laughs> Dude, I just called your name. But it was the way I called him. Judah or Asher or love or hope 
What? I got called Hope. And, Hope, come here. What? <laughs> come in the room. What's wrong? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't even say nothing. I know. I don't know. <laughs> okay. We don't want to hear that from God because, truth be told, nobody wants to be told what to do. This is my life. Watch. Watch. If it's your life, then you have not accepted Jesus yet. I'm trying to help you here. If it's your life, not his, my life is not my own. If it's your life and not his, and you have not accepted Jesus, which would probably beg to say that you're probably not dwelling in the presence of God. That's deep, huh? That hurts a little bit, doesn't it? Good. That's what I came to do this morning. I came to evict you out of your comfortability of churchdom. I came to evict you out of your, con- your consistent comfortability of just playing church and being a, being a Christian, but to get you to walk in this thing so that you can experience this thing, this great life that God has for you. He says, I'm the way to the truth. I'm the way to the, tr- to the life. What life? The life that God actually wrote before you ever breathed your first breath. Yes. Have you ever asked yourself if you're really living what God wrote in the book? Just think about that for a second. Ooh, that gets nuts. Are you really living... No, Pastor, I'm depressed, I'm sad, I have anxiety, I don't know what to do with myself. I'm fat, I'm skinny, I'm this, I'm that. Nobody likes me, I don't have any friends. I tried to have friends, but nobody will be my friend. So what if they won't be your friend? Did you know to be a friend of the world, it means you're not a friend of God? <sighs> Jesus came so that we could find the truth in the life. The truth and the life are not a person, but the immense desire that God has and always will have for each of us. To live in the truth and have an amazing life. To live in the truth that he brings to us and to have an amazing life. If your life is not amazing, I'm going to tell you this. If your life is not amazing, maybe you're not going the way you're supposed to. But what do you define as amazing? Do you define amazing you getting everything you want? Do you define amazing as you having the perfect job and having the perfect spouse? There ain't a perfect spouse in this room. I hate to break it to you. You perfect kids that I got four that are imperfect. Amen. What's amazing? What's amazing? What's amazing is that I woke up this morning in my right mind. I woke up this morning with breath in my body. I woke up this morning with another day to declare his word and declare his kingdom in the earth. That's amazing to me. Amazing is not having the materialistic items that I desire in my flesh or to have everything look like it's tiptoed through the tomb so you can all think that, wow, pastor's really connected to God. No, baby, me and my wife, we argue. We don't always get along. How dare you say that? I'm, she's right here, and I can say it. I always love my kids, and my kids always love me, but we don't always like each other. And there ain't going to be a day in this existence that I'm going to be their best friend and buddy because I have one purpose, to be their daddy. Yeah, be my better. No, you picked the wrong dad. I ain't the one. There's there's got to come this place where we finally desire to walk in the way, not walk a way or a way. Because that's where we're really walking now. We we come into church. We know what's going to happen. We're going to sing our song. The pastor's going to take the platform. We're going to hear a good message if I'm listening and not bouncing my checkbook while he's preaching. Or if I'm not texting people where they're going to meet me for lunch as soon as the sermon's over. I'm just going to say this to you. If that's where your mind is, you should have stayed home. Because you didn't come for the way, the truth, and the, the way to the truth and the life. You came just to pay your penance, and that will not give you access to the kingdom. Because Satan comes to church. 
You don't believe me? He was probably in your car on the way here. I grew up in a house where they fought on the way to church. Can I get an amen, mama? My daddy wasn't a happy person. And he, they, I mean, it would, whoo, you walk in church, praise the Lord, everybody, praise the Lord. Man, that family is like, they could, no, it was hell coming to church. Literally, hell came into the car. And we had to go in and play church and play. No, that's because Jesus wasn't the way in all of our family. And so no wonder the truth and the life could not exist. There wasn't a need for more stuff. There was just a need for peace. There was just a need for joy, for rest, to have a greater understanding that this too shall pass. Instead of being stuck, he called to, he's called you to live in the truth and have an amazing life. Jesus not come to reconcile you to a brother, but to bring you home to your father. Let me read this as I close. Pastor Jim, come on. Anything out of this? Tight? Good. Buckle your seatbelt. Because if you didn't have to change, then why do you serve him? Every day of my life, I have to ask God, God, what is it you want to change in me? Pastor, you mean you're not there? Man, I don't want to be there yet. Because you understand if I get there, then I'm done. I don't want to be done yet. I got so much more I want to do. John chapter 14, verse 7 through 14. I'm just going to read this to you because this gets pretty deep. It says this in verse 7. It says, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am the Father in the Father and the Father in me? The words I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. When I was reading through this, I got stuck in verse 9. And it broke me on the inside. Verse 9, he says, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say to me, show us the Father? This is the visual I get of the church. This is how we worship. We worship, we lift our hands because it's what the church does. Because the word says to lift up your hands in praise. But we do not do it with our eyes wide open looking under the hills which cometh our help. Because really, in all honesty, we're worshiping in hopes that he will be our help. Rather than worshiping him because he is our help. See, here's the truth of it. We spend the majority of our existence as believers hoping God will be exactly what his word said he would be. 
rather than believing that everything he says he is. And when I read this and I got to the bottom of it, it says, and whatever you ask in my name, whenever you ask, in other words, whatever you ask in the way. See, Jesus is not the answer to your prayers. He is the way to your promises. Jesus is not the answerer of your prayers. He is the mediator between you and the Father. He carries your intercession to the throne room of grace. And he stands before the Father and he says, Hey, 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 Dad. Brian's got surgery this morning. And he got up to get ready for his surgery this morning. He got in the shower and he, he, he talked to me. And he's got a request. For a long life. I'm bringing you his request. See, but so many times we've been taught in the church that we go to Jesus because Jesus is going to answer it all. Jesus said, I'm the way to the answer. Stop trying to supersede, but then understand that the moment you deliver the prayer request to Jesus, Jesus carries it to the Father. And then the Father makes his decision. And whatever decision he makes, I trust. I said this before I went into surgery. I said, you know what? You have to deal with the carnality thought of life and expectancy and all those things. And all of the doctors say, nothing will happen. And stuff happens. And I, I had to deal with the thought of the what ifs. And then I realized something. The only reason my mind was dwelling on the what ifs was because I wasn't dwelling on the way. And God says, if you trust me, you'll always have life. I am the way to your life. Trust me. Believe in me. Have faith in me. And I'll give you a life far beyond your expectations. I don't fear. I don't worry. When people ask me about Patricia, they say, Pastor, how's Patricia doing? How's she doing? She's doing great. <laughs> people are but Pastor, I mean, she's, she's not doing great. No, she's doing great. Dawn's even said it. She's in the hands of God. I heard Les say, Les told me, he said, God has to be in control. Doesn't have any other choice. Take Willie and his wife. Willie, Willie's wife was dead. By all means, she was dead. We walked out of the hospital. Willie goes, She's not dying. She's in the hands of God. He gets a phone call. She's awake. She wants to talk to you. I could tell you this all day long, but I'm going to tell you something. The only way these things happen is when he becomes the way. Do you know your broken heart gets mended when he becomes the way? Jerry's healing comes because Jesus is the way. Jesus doesn't have to. Can I just say this? This really sounds mean. Jesus doesn't have to fix him before surgery. The petition has been made before the Father. And the Father has orchestrated the instruments around Jerry to bring him a longer life so that when he goes into surgery and comes out of surgery, that the life that he has is greater because he went the way to the Father. My marriage is better because I seek the way rather than seek my wife. See, 
A marriage that's founded in God doesn't break under the confines of bondage. It stays in healing and wholeness. I, I, I say this to you. I say this to you in love. I will never choose the church over my spouse. This is my first ministry. I'm coming out of heart surgery. It made that ministry even bigger in me. Because if I have this is the way, then this will be the way. Does that make sense? Everything that you're looking for is found in the access point of Jesus. Just trust that he'll take it to the Father. You might not get the answer when you want it, but trust me, the Father knows. For Jesus says that I, that he makes intercession for us daily. He intercedes on my behalf. He asked me how I'm doing, how I'm feeling. I feel great. I don't know why. Because he's got me. I was sitting in my office this morning. I just sitting there, just turned on the old song, I Surrender All. I'm an old school guy. I like the old school songs. And I just sat there, and as soon as it hit, I man, I start crying. Because I realized that in me, there are things that I still have to surrender. But a surrendered life is a fulfilled life. And so this morning, all I'm asking you to do is stop talking about the way you should go. Stop talking about the things that you shall do. Start walking in the way so that you can walk in the truth and the life. The fulfillment of this walk is not in getting lost in the person of Jesus, but coming home so that you and I can realize what God's purpose for our lives are all about. It's time to know or get to know the way so that we can get to the truth and the life God desires for us.